This is the introduction to this podcast. This podcast is named Connected. It is episode <laughs> 179. It is brought to you this week by three sponsors, Linode, Squarespace, and Casper. I'm a host of this show. My name is Stephen Hackett. I have two co-hosts, one whose name is Mike Curley. How are you, Mike? From Relay FM. This is Mike that's Curley. Not, that's It was going really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other co-host is named Federico Vitici. This is the worst NPR introduction I've ever heard on a show, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous because we have a special guest today. Uh, Mike, since I did the intro so well, do you think you can follow in my footsteps and introduce our guest with the same level of polish and professionalism that I've already brought to the table? Yes. It is at this time that I am honored to introduce the creator, founder, and operator of Emojipedia.org, the wonderful Mr. Jeremy Bursch. It's great to be here on the Serial podcast. I can't wait to hear who, uh, who did it. <laughs> Today, we are solving the mystery of emoji. <laughs> Where is it? How did it come from? Steven is the killer. Uh, it's Steven. Stay tuned for episode uh, 13. <laughs> Where we'll give our opinions as to whether emoji actually committed the crime. Steven, please follow up. Come on, let's do this. So, Mike, you were, you were gone last week. You were celebrating mm-hmm. your birthday. My 41st birthday, it turned out. Yes. How did you like the good wishes on Twitter, Mike? Yeah, I found uh, out a lot of people's favorite colors. <laughs> <laughs> Blue and red were very popular um, in the favorite really? colors. Yeah, red, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I figured like blue or green. Like blue is kind of the I think the default answer. I mean, we're just of. going through the RGB scale basically here. Yeah. yeah, red, blue. You know, so makes sense. Keep it simple. There has been a lot of breaking news. Hashtag breaking news about this tiny heads phenomenon. Yeah. Well, is phenomenon the word or like are we going to go with some like crisis or like pandemic? What, what have we got Ooh, going pandemic. on? The tiny head pandemic. That makes it sound like an actual disease. <laughs> well, I mean, something's going on in which all of these unrelated companies are catching this tiny head problem from each other. It's everywhere. This is one of those things that once people know, mention it to you. You can't help but see it everywhere, and our listeners are seeing it there's everywhere. A, there's, you know, I'm not joking. There's actually a word for yeah, I know when, what it is. When you, when you like, when you, when you don't know it's something, it's a German word. It's a German word, and then you, you don't know something, and then suddenly you know, and you see it everywhere. Well, um, it's, a, it's actually called the Beta Meinhof phenomenon. Yeah, that's probably it's not a yep. word. It's more like a concept. It's yeah. a concept. It's oh. the, yeah. You see, like, like a friend of yours gets a new car. And then you see the same car everywhere. It's called the Beta Meinhof phenomenon. So, but yes, that's what's happening with tiny heads. And this is something that people were finding old examples of and current examples of. And we have some for the show notes. Uh, John sent in to us Evernote, Evernote doing this with a, with a tiny head, big body. And also something more interesting, tiny feet going on at Evernote. <laughs> this, is the, this is going two for two here. It's yeah. a tiny head and tiny feet. Hey, Evernote is just trying to stay relevant any way possible. Oh, like, no. Give a break. no. Come on. Have you heard about Tiny Chat? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, Airtable, which is tiny heads, uh, again, skinny, tiny feet. But they introduce a lot of really fun colors to it. The Airtable mm-hmm. one is very colorful. There is also like a, a sub set of this where like the tiny heads seem to be followed by simple block colors in most of the times somebody basically somebody created this and now it's just like everywhere and it is everywhere because we have even more examples we do uh we have uh procreate 
there's an Instagram. Uh, Spurgate's being used, I guess I should say, uh, to create some of this stuff. So there's an Instagram mm. link in the show notes with many examples, a whole tiny head army of people, mostly with dogs, uh, mm. just hanging out on Instagram. So They're actually pretty good illustrations, but the, the heads are really tiny. Also, really tiny, tiny heads, but normal size earrings. Uh, which mm. is interesting, but the, but the head is tiny. So uh, something that goes on your head must be tiny, but accessories can be normal-sized, which I think is an interesting, um, um, you know, Man, some of these follow. get real tiny in this Instagram post, like just, and mm. then like just really, really <laughs> tiny heads, really tiny heads. Yes. And now uh, the wonderful Kate, uh, who is a, a great on Twitter as RHL underscore underscore, has created a tiny head drawing of the three of us. Which is nice to see. Yeah. I especially appreciate how tiny Steven's head is. <laughs> yeah, he um. has Steven has the tiniest head. <laughs> this is a great drawing. I'd like to see your heads get smaller again. Just keep making them smaller. Keep making them yeah. smaller. I mean this is great, but <laughs> I, I want to see them get smaller again. The, this is the the most amazing piece of fan art. The details in this are incredible. The little pieces yeah. of tape I have on my microphone stands yeah. and the oh cables. God. It's all in the correct place. Um, I choose to look at it though, is that my head is not tiny, but I'm just super buff all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> totally ripped. Yep. Yeah. Yep, Chicago look, was an interesting ever, time. Have you ever watched the uh, what's the name of the the Ken Shiro anime? Um, you know, with the, the guy with the <laughs> super tiny head. And the, oh, I should send you a link. Actually, I don't know if it's uh, called Ken Shiro in Italy. I'm not sure if it's. Like Ken yeah. of the Seven Stars, something in America. I'll send you a link. I don't think you you're like going to get. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a lot of help in this group, unfortunately, Federico, with the K- anime. Ken of the Seven Stars. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, Jeremy I, had I, it. It's like, oh, I know all about <laughs> it. The Tiny Head anime, but no. no. I'll find. I'll find it. I'll find it. So, connected listeners, if you find more examples of tiny heads, you know where to send them. We we must know. Uh, about what is happening in the tiny head world. Keep keep us keep us updated. We have some important uh, follow out as yep. well, and this this was not just a a way to get our special guest to join us. Although I think it, I think it helped. But um, Jeremy, you host a podcast called Emoji Rap, which I just absolutely love. And you had uh, an ep- the latest episode, I believe, is about some of the original story. Um, or some of the story about the original emoji at Apple. Can you tell us a little bit about that episode? Yeah. So uh, the first thing that's fun about, by the way, hosting an emoji podcast is seeing the tweets when people find it and they sort of, I don't know, they're 50% uh, amazed and they're like, how on earth is there a podcast about emoji every month? And then the other half are sort of dismayed with the world that there's a podcast about emoji every month. I get this with... Uh... I can't believe there's a podcast about pens. Yes. I suspect it's a really similar split, right? Yeah. Very, very simple. Like people are like, how can you talk about... It's like, trust me. <laughs> every, everything, every industry has news, right? It's just, it's a thing. And, and, and you, you, you think, oh, well, maybe you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but there's more. There's things that you wouldn't discuss that you just don't have time for, right? There's more than you can do. So, the, And the same thing happens mm-hmm. on Emoji Wrap, that every month... You know, you came on Mike uh, last month, and we had about ten different things to get to, and we were just trying to burn through them. But this month, we yep. had uh, Angela Guzman, who was one of the original 
Apple emoji designers, which is pretty cool because, as everybody knows, uh, you don't often get people from Apple on the record about a whole bunch. Or you have to wait a lot of years until they've kind of moved on a little to till they open up and they want to chat. So that was actually really cool that she was an intern at the time. And uh, that's wild. That that was I listened to it today. I couldn't believe that. The person who was responsible for designing so much of the original emoji set was an intern. Considering how important emoji is today, I can't imagine Apple just just grabbing an intern and being like, you do this. <laughs> and you know what was funny that I guess I'd heard sort of that over the years and I'd, that different interns and I'd heard bits and pieces about oh, different people in, did different parts of it. But in particular, the very first core set, yeah, it was basically an intern and her mentor, someone that was already a full-time employee at Apple, and the two of them basically got down to business and, and made just about all the emojis. So it was fun to have her on. She kind of talked about some of the ones that she made personally. She she was saying she's also got a post online that she wrote about it, how she sort of started with some of the easy ones and then uh, moved through the list. And she didn't want to... I, I didn't want to pick on specific instances because I know a lot of people give a hard time to the two camels that they've got the the good camel and the bad camel I didn't want to to make her tell me whether she was the good camel or the bad camel but (laughs) but but nonetheless yeah it is pretty fun when you look at those original sets there is sort of a bit of divergence even though she did say they really tried hard then to kind of match each other's style and look back and forth at what each other were doing just to make sure that the final set at least looked mostly like one one product and I guess what's interesting is, whilst I assume that the actual work that Angela did probably doesn't exist anymore, as Apple has like increased the the quality of the emoji over time, she still defined the look, and the look hasn't changed very much in a lot of the emoji, right? Like they they look the same, but they've probably been reproduced. So I guess she's she's got a bit of a legacy. Yeah, right? yeah like um, some of yeah. that stuff is just never going to change. Right, like that party popper is a party hop- popper in so many people's head. That was one that she did, and you know, even the new one today, it's three D rendered and the confetti's done in three D, but it still looks about the same. And when you think of it in your head, is sort of what's a party like image. That one there, I don't know how many years from now we'll still be thinking of that particular image. But right now, yeah, she had a huge part to play. And it was, yeah, it was really cool getting to have her on the show. Which is wonderful because it looks like no party popper I've ever seen. But it's, I only think of it as the party popper. Right. Because right? Like, yeah. it does. You said on the show, it looks like a party hat yeah. with some streamers coming out of it. But that's that's party, <laughs> man. That's what it's all about. It's ta-da. That's perfect. Suddenly, yeah, we're using this new thing that we wouldn't have otherwise used. But because it looks like that in the emoji, we're like, oh, that's fine. That's what a party popper is. So this is the light side of emoji. This is the good side. But there is a dark side of emoji. There is, especially right now in the Apple community, and that's what we have Jeremy to talk to us about today, about some of the some of the darker side of emoji, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, let me thank our first sponsor for this week's show, and that is Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at $5 a month, and you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in just under a minute. Linode offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They now have 10 data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers even quicker than ever before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via the command line if that's your jam. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. 
Linode has amazing pricing options available to you. Their plans start at a gig- with a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash connected, you'll not only be supporting us, you'll also get $20 towards any plan. And on the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that will get you four months for free. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go try it out. Go to linode.com slash connected. That is L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash connected, where you can learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or just use the promo code CONNECTED2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for their support of this show. All right, Mr. Budge, we've had you here uh, today because nobody knows emoji like you. And you know a lot of the legalities around emoji, and these are conversations that me and you have had many times. So you are perfectly suited to talk about what is going on right now with Apple App Review. So what is the story here? It seemed like there was a bit of a hubbub going on over the last couple of days on Twitter about app projections or something like that. What I've been hearing over the last six months or so is... it. Every now and then someone will come along and go, hey, look, my app got rejected because I put an emoji in it or I put a bunch of emojis in it. And these things have sort of come and gone. And, you know, it's always hard when someone jumps on Twitter and just makes an announcement to say, my app got rejected because of this, because you don't really know, is it just yeah. that? App review rules have changed, right? Right. Like, and, yeah. it, and it takes a bit yeah. of time to, like, kind of really get down to the business and figure out. It, was it that, or is this person overblowing the situation, or whatnot? So it was only last week uh, a developer called Sam Eckert. Sorry, Sam, if I've got your uh, name pronounced slightly incorrectly there, but he uh, documented the rejection notices he got for an app called BitTracker, and effectively, it was quite clear this time. For the first time, it sort of had rejection wording from Apple saying, look, you've used emojis in these parts of your app specifically here, here, and here. And he said he spoke to Apple and they confirmed, yes, you can't use emojis in your app whatsoever unless a user types it in or you're rejected. And this sort of set a, a chain in motion of people going, what is going on? How can we not use emojis in apps? Isn't emoji just a font? Like, how is this a problem? I mean, yes. So Apple has... What they, the font is called Apple Color Emoji, and it's on every system. And I guess that is what's tricky is most developers, not all, some of them are sort of rendering a copy of Apple's emoji and sticking it around the app, but most of them are just saying, hey, display the, the poo here, display the, the light bulb emoji here, and it pulls it out of Apple's own font. So I guess that's what some of the confusion is, is that you'd think, well, I'm just calling a font on the system like any other. But the tricky thing being, of course, that... Is Apple's color emoji font just a font? It doesn't really fall into the traditional definition of sort of a black and white glyph. Um, So I guess the line is that Apple in the past hasn't enforced this too much. So we've really got to look at, is this treated like a font for copyright and other reasons? Or is it treated like images that Apple owns, like Apple logo or the iPhone? You know, traditionally you see people get apps rejected if they have icons that look too much like an iPhone in it. So is this just a font or is it images and it's sort of a bit of both and that's i think why there's so much confusion but so like you mentioned about owning like does apple own what does apple own it's text right like how do they own it yeah i mean so so apple owns the the rendering they own the images that they put in their emoji font uh so effectively so so if i'm a developer and i put in a bunch of effectively text where i say display this emoji this emoji this emoji the way it pops out is apple's 
copyrighted images. And, of course, that means that Apple has some say over what happens there. Um, it's tricky, though, because that's never been an issue. People, you know, if you, if you type a font, if you use a system font in your app, that's fine because you're just typing the text and people feel like they're doing the same thing. But let's say you take an app and you make the logo an emoji or you make the entire brand of the app really based around Apple's emoji images. Apple owns those images. So they do have some leg to stand on. It's just a matter of figuring out... Are they going too far with this? Are they when they don't let you put a single emoji in some text? Is that too much? Because that's sort of what emojis are for, or is it just well within their rights to say, "Look, hey, we own the copyright on these. We don't want you to use them anymore. Too bad, our app store, our rules." And that seems to be sort of what's happening right now. Let's assume for a moment that like this. I mean, because we're going to get you. You've spoken to a lot of developers, and we're going to get into some of the specifics of what people are being rejected for. But let's let's just imagine for a moment that this is a new rule, and that uh, basically, if it's not being typed in a text field, Apple will not allow people to use emoji. Right? Like, let, let's just assume that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Why would they do this, and why would they do this now? So, yeah, as you say, let's say if this is genuinely the rule. If a user doesn't type it, you can't put it in your app. And I think the main reason Apple would want to do it is they want to bring back some control of their own emoji set. They've got an emoji now, which a lot of their iPhone X ads are using not just an emoji, but their existing emojis all over the ad. You know, they're sort of Apple's public marketing and public presence in a way is quite heavily tied to their emojis. And just like they wouldn't let you use you know, their own imagery and your own ads for your company, they own those emoji images. So I think I think from Apple's perspective, their concern would be that our company is being building their entire the brand of their app around Apple's emojis specifically. And if so, would the common person think, oh, this is an app from Apple? Or would they think this must be endorsed by Apple in some way because it's got so much of Apple's imagery in it? So I think that's where that's where it's really coming down. Apple appears to be wanting to bring back some control that they haven't really done in the past. They've sort of let it go. They've let people do whatever they like. And I think now someone at Apple, either for legal reasons or just for branding and marketing, has said, you know what, we want to have a bit more control over how people use our specific emoji images. Now, I know that in the past you've reported on this a bunch of times about apps like WhatsApp and Telegram using Apple's emoji set which they've probably scraped of somehow, on Android, right? Do you think this could be a factor here? This is what... That part's way easier. You know, to me, I think those are outside of Apple's control as such. They don't own the App Store on Android, of course, but I definitely... I've never understood why that's been allowed to stand for major companies like Facebook, who owns WhatsApp, uh, Telegram, Signal, even Slack. I mean, I love Slack, sort of, other than its memory and all the things, but... The the fact that they would literally scrape Apple's images and then embed them in their apps, particularly on Android and Windows, because they'd go, oh, well, users love Apple's ones. Why don't we just put them over here? So I'm surprised it took Apple that long, and I suspect these all might be part of a similar... They might have had a similar origin. I don't know whether it was a meeting or a lawyer or marketing. Someone, I think, somewhere has said in the last little while, hey, we should pay a bit more attention to how our emojis are being used and at least I think it's fully a great idea. I think it's a great idea that they are going after at least Android apps embedding their own emojis in them. I'm just a little bit iffier on exactly where the line is on iOS. Yeah, there was news kind of 
in this time frame too uh, from Slack. Slack has kind of famously been behind adding emoji. I think the, they didn't even have like the 2016 class in there. And they were, I believe they were using Apple's image set um, everywhere. And they've got a blog post out and this update is rolling out now where you will see uh, all of Apple's emoji in Slack if you're on a Mac or on an iOS device. And then if you are elsewhere, uh, you will see, I believe they're using um, Google's emoji font for all non-Apple users. So it seems like maybe they were aware of this or wanted to get around it. And the benefit to Slack users is you can use a bunch of new emoji that you didn't have access to before. You know what? I th- <laughs> I do think that, that Apple, it feels like the timing is quite coincidental, right? It was last year that WhatsApp for years had been using Apple's emoji images. They switched last year to a set that looks a lot like Apple's, but it's not. And then this week, Slack stopped using Apple's ones. All these rejections are mounting up on the iOS app store. It does feel like Apple might have changed position on this. And Slack in particular, yeah, I mean, they they did used to offer you the choice. You could pick any of them. You could pick Google emoji. You could pick Twitter. You could pick Apple's. But the difference is Twitter and Google have open source licenses on their emoji sets, and Apple doesn't. Apple's are copyrighted. And I would absolutely not be surprised if someone had tapped them on the shoulder and said, hey, Slack, it'd be awful nice if you could stop using our images on other platforms. My only question is, um, is this really necessary? Does the, the biggest corporation in the world really need to go after after people using emoji in their apps? I, I honestly cannot. Maybe it's just me, but I have never heard of anybody being confused by an application that features an emoji as a UI element and being confused that that app has been made by Apple. It just seems petty to me that because they own it and because of copyright reasons, which I understand, but my question is, I understand whether if it's copyright, if it's a legal reason, but do you really have to? That like, what's the benefit to the company, to the bottom line of Apple, to have this kind of control over emoji? It just seems like pettiness and going after developers who use them, just not even out of spite, but just because you can. But I wonder if you really have to. That, and, and I think that's a question that a bunch of people are asking. Do, do you really have to go after people using emoji in apps? Yeah, I mean, when I look at the examples, I would agree with some of them. In particular, some that just sort of use them within text. I think it's fine when you've got a, a fun sentence that says, hey, here's some new features, party popper. I think that's totally fine. Yeah. The UI stuff, I'm also pretty, you know, I, I get where Apple is coming from, but you're right. When it's sort of a subtle UI bit of decoration, it's fine. I think what might have happened is that they wanted to get rid of the the most excessive examples of apps that might entirely be using Apple emoji as game icons in particular. If you're sort of game mm. characters or they're thinking if you're making apps hypothetically that, that look too much like an emoji, which Apple has a history of doing. They don't want apps that are, conf- are too similar to their own apps, which can be right. a fine line. Mm. So I, I think that they've tried to get the worst offenders and they've actually ended up getting everybody yeah. And okay. at least just before we've gone to where here, I have actually heard from some people that maybe some things are changing. I, I know this is sort of, I, I can't go into details right now, and I actually don't know where this is going to go. I have, have no firm information whether Apple's decided to backflip on this or whether they're reconsidering or not. I'm just hearing murmurings that maybe, just maybe, 
something could change. So so I'm going to have to keep an eye on this because I don't know. Did some app, Was it just a few stray app reviewers that got a bit wild with a well-intentioned guideline or was this something more meaningful? And I think we're, we're going to find out hopefully in the coming weeks if we see all the apps not use emojis or whether we see actually this seems to be sticking. So what have you seen uh, actually been rejected? Because if I'm right, you've had quite a few people reach out to you to to tell you about rejections that they've had. Like, was it a lot of companies that or developers that were having these problems? And what were the kind of the standard issues that were occurring? Yes, yeah, so it seemed to be the ones that I saw were all smaller developers. Um, and mo- to be honest, they went through the whole spectrum. They went from things that I would consider maybe a bit egregious, as I said before, like using having games where every character is an emoji or the entire interface is made up of emojis, right through to ones that just said, yeah, we've got new features, or one of them seemed a bit ridiculous. This bit tracker had on the Apple Watch, it had just a little, that little chart decreasing emoji of the stocks going down. And it just had a tiny UI element where it said, oh, stocks are down 2%, little downward pointing emoji. And that was still cited as a problem. So it, it seemed to be the the entire spectrum. It, it, as long as there were small developers, it seemed like there had been at least one example of Apple getting rid of everything from splash screens with emojis right through to little tiny bits of text. And on the other hand, I did see a few that got through recently as well. So it's definitely it's definitely inconsistent right now. I had a, a developer today who just said, oh yeah, my app just got reviewed today with all these emojis all over the UI. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's not being consistent in those clear examples where the same thing is being allowed in one spot and not in another, which is hard to tell who's wrong. Was the reviewer that let it through in the wrong or was the reviewer that rejected the other ones in the wrong? Yeah, but it seems like it may have at least been more than one reviewer, right? With the amount of apps that have been that have gone through this issue. I mean, this is. I mean, there is a long history of this type of stuff happening, where there will be a certain thing that becomes a bugbear in app review for like a week or two, and then it's all taken care of. But this is the first time I think that emoji has been caught up in this, and it is. It's an interesting discussion because I. Whilst I understand and agree with what you're saying, Federico, like that, like who is it? harming really Mm -hmm. i do understand a little bit from apple's perspective that there are maybe too many companies that are aligning their brand to something that apple owns which is their emoji set and it's i think you know it's tricky right like i mean we said this before like with a complaining about slack right like that they've been they, they they have so much of their brand tied up in emoji but it took them so long to get their emoji update out but they're also a good example of like apple created this emoji set and then slack used it everywhere because it matched with their marketing because their marketing was using apple's emoji and it's i I think it's tricky right like it's it's an image it is they are still images that apple own and if they do want to do something like an emoji right they don't want those emojis styles to be i guess used on another platform because someone else is going to come up with their version of an emoji right like that feels like a given at this point that some some other developer or like some other os is going to come up with their version of an emoji right like some some android phone will have a version soon and i guess that apple wants to try and protect their styles in all of this would be my thinking and it's not just because of an emoji but just in general like apple makes a change to emoji to the way their emoji looks and every other vendor follows. 
And I guess maybe they're getting a little bit peeved about that. I don't know. But I don't know if it's worth rejecting people, but it might be worth coming up with some new guidelines that state when and where emoji can be used. Like, I, I yeah. think if you are using it in text, you are fine. If you are using it as some kind of graphic in your application where no text is used, maybe that needs to be looked at a little bit more clearly, right? Like, they're not just little pictures that you can put all over the place. Like, they're not, that's not what they're. F- for and it's not what apple created them for so i I guess it's worth i don't know i guess it's worth just apple coming up with something if they want to actually start rejecting people as always they need to actually come up with some kind of clear guidance that they give to the world but i wouldn't be surprised to see them somehow try and strengthen their rules around this i mean arguably though um if you're a developer and you're using a mac um you can type an emoji with the keyboard so effectively, you'll be telling people you cannot type an emoji with the keyboard in Xcode. So you're basically, I, I don't want to say that you're banning text, but it gets messy. Right, but there are people that, that use them not as text, though, right? Like that's, like, so if you're... Yes, but you type them as text with a well, default sure. control like, on the You Mac. also can use Command-C to copy an image from anywhere and use it, right? Like, you, you, you don't say that by, like, saying that you can't use this copyright image, you're not banning the use of copy and paste, right? Like, I, I get I that they're developed, that they are, like, they are shown via text, but we all, you know, everybody knows it's generating an image. And if you're using, let's, let's say you're using it on some kind of promotional artwork, you may have typed the text in into Photoshop, but you know what you're doing at that point. You're not treating it like a text character. You're treating it as an image, like a sticker, right? Like that's what you're treating it as in that point. Like I don't think that it needs to be taken away when someone uses emoji and copy in their application. Mm. I think that's too I far. Just, I just have a, I just have a personally a bad feeling about the idea of artwork that can be reprodu- reproduced by anybody because it's a, it's a keyboard feature but still subject to copyright that really does not work well with the way that i think about copyright and owning things because yes it is art by apple designed by apple and owned by apple but you're limiting the usage uh, because it's not like Apple, uh, you know, they made the Mona Lisa and the Mona Lisa is in the Louvre in France and if you want to see the Mona Lisa, you need to go there. Um, This is like a set of images or fonts or call them whatever you want and anybody can use them. And now you're regulating the usage of something that is in the hands of everybody. And I really don't... Like, it doesn't leave me with a good feeling. Uh, I don't like the idea. Uh, I don't like the idea. And it just seems, in most cases, it, it seems just petty to me. Yeah, I I can totally see it because at this point it's too late because emoji has become part of our language. Like exactly. right now they left it too long if they wanted to actually try and pull some of this in. Now I I totally understand them put like reining in some areas, right? Like not allowing WhatsApp to use Apple's emoji on Android, right? Because mm-hmm. that's, yes. that's not needed, yes. right? There is already Android emoji. And the example that you were using, Jeremy, about like creating a video game using emoji, right? It's like, it's not, it's, that's not what it's for, right? I, I, but I think anywhere that text is used, anywhere that text is seen, it should be okay. 
but there are edge cases that that maybe they should be protecting against. Yeah, I would I would but, agree with that. I, I feel like most people agree it shouldn't be used on other platforms because that's not even text. Once it's on Android, it's just an image. By then, if you just embedded the emoji, the Unicode character, it would show with the Android image. So I think we all agree that it would be uh, it'd be weird for them to be cool with it being on Android. But it's just when we're talking about iOS specifically. Uh, yeah, I would tend to fall down the line if it's sort of within text, if it's if it's conversational, if it's there as part of your your app and it's sort of flowing around text, totally fine. Don't make it the whole point of your app to to use emoji Apple's emoji specifically as your brand. And I would say Federico as well that if you think about it, that Apple's logo is one of the characters on iOS. You can type it, and they wouldn't be cool with that mm. if you if you opened up your app and they and if you just type the Apple logo everywhere all over your app because it's included in apple fonts on ios i'm pretty sure they'd say hey can you not put our logo everywhere in your app that's a good point (laughs) but yeah but overall i I think that's where we're sitting there it seems to looking at some of these examples i wouldn't have believed it if i hadn't seen the proof from the developers that there are some incredibly minor offenses here where a sole emoji is used next to text and they've been rejected for it and those ones i think are Uh, have gone too far and really it's just apple should as you say mike put some guidelines out there have a couple of examples this is too far this is fine and then we'll then we'd only be debating the gray area whereas right now we're potentially talking about any emoji use that isn't done by a user and that just seems over the top yeah i when i look at these things like i apply the working in a large office problem to this like the Apple app review team must be a lot of people for them to be able to cope with what they cope with. Like I'm assuming it's many hundreds of people that work somewhere. And it seems like with a lot of this stuff that somebody gets told or everybody gets told, we're focusing on this. If you see this, you've got to stop it. And what happens is people overreact. So like somewhere inside of Apple app review, I believe that people are being told to reject apps that are using excessive emoji in marketing materials or something like that. And then people are seeing one emoji used in a line of text somewhere and they're like rejecting because that's not clearly outlining the rules or someone is overreacting or someone didn't fully understand the new policy change inside of Apple. And then we end up with these stories and then they have to like codify it and then it, it sorts itself out. And that's what I assume is going to happen. There are, There will be some kind of more standardized rule around the way it's used but i expect that a lot of the apps that have been rejected so far will probably get taken care of is that where you think this is going jeremy do you, what, what do you think is gonna be the result of all of this that's my gut i feel like in the past week it this is sort of getting a bit of momentum it is you know nobody wants this in ios app you know app developers don't want restrictions Users don't want restrictions. This is just something that Apple wants to do for their own copyright and their own IP and what their own branding. And I think they maybe didn't realize how annoyed it would make people. And yeah, I, I feel like a common ground will be made, but I don't think this was entirely accidental. Maybe Apple just didn't realize the backlash because a number of developers I've spoken to have been on the phone with App Store Review, and that's normally a a different tier already by the time you speak to someone it's not just someone working a few hours a week you know clicking buttons there so I, I feel like there is or was a very specific policy that was too too restrictive and that maybe now some higher ups are starting to see some consternation and that hopefully hopefully saner heads will prevail and 
we'll, we'll all agree that whatever Apple comes out with in the end is hopefully something quite reasonable. Uh, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Jeremy Verge, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people uh, find out about all of the work that you do in creating Emoji? Uh, <laughs> uh, you snuck it in there. I did not create Emoji. <laughs> <laughs> you created your own Emoji set, though. There is an Emojipedia Emoji set, so you did create that. True, and stay tuned very soon. Uh, emoji, whenever the new Emoji updates for 2018 are out, uh, we'll have our new... Uh, we do designs also in Apple's style. I hope we're on their, their good side. We do them to sort of look like what we think the emojis will look like when Apple does them. Uh, but your hmm. imagination is being copyrighted, <laughs> uh, Jeremy. But, but this is this is the problem, though, right? Like that is the problem. Like that Apple's emoji design has become the way people think that emoji should be drawn. And I guess this is why, if they were ever going to fight anything, that's probably why. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I really just think they want to bring back some control. They know emoji is big business. They don't want to get left out of the, the game if somehow it gets used so wildly all over the place that everyone just assumes they're public domain, which I feel like a lot of people actually already do think of Apple's emoji in that way. So no, you can you can uh, jump on emojipedia.org to check out all the emojis, or I'm just at Jeremy Burge on the tweets. Thank you very much, Jeremy. This week's episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create the website for your next idea. With a unique domain name, award-winning templates and more, they have absolutely everything that you're going to need to build your next beautiful website. And they will be beautiful because those templates, not only are they award-winning and fantastically designed, you can customize them. Everything's drag and drop and you can change colors, you can change fonts, they have loads of fonts that you can use. Squarespace really does have it all. No matter what type of website you want to build, whether it's a blog, portfolio, online store, or just about anything else, they have everything. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed, they are the all-in-one platform. You don't have to worry about anything. They've got your back, they've got you covered. I've been using Squarespace Squarespace. We've been using Squarespace for so long, I couldn't imagine using anyone else for my projects. They make everything so simple. Uh, I wouldn't be able to build websites otherwise. I need Squarespace, and Squarespace are amazing. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. Then, when you sign up, use the offer code WORLD at checkout, and you will get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show we thank squarespace for their continued support of relay fm squarespace make your next move make your next website let's take it let's take it back let's take it down a notch right no more emoji no more speaking about those little pictures let's get to the serious business no more fun no more fun some of these reviews yeah (laughs) (laughs) so Stephen, what is the consensus i think the tldr here is that the home pod sounds great and Apple put a lot of work into the audio quality and fidelity of this thing. They worked on it for a long time. They built special labs that look like spaceships. But it's sort of a bummer that it's locked to Apple Music. It's sort of a bummer that AirPlay 2 hasn't shipped yet. And it's a bummer that Siri isn't very good sometimes. And so it seems like it's an amazing sounding speaker, but sort of the smart side of it maybe uh, doesn't hold up to its competition. Isn't it's not super surprising to me? It was we got shocked by those reviews. It's basically everything we thought it would be, and I think John Gruber had a had a good line in his article about it that it's basically Apple said it would be and nothing more. And we we I think we were all under the impression that Siri on the HomePod would have some secret 
trick, you know, especially until a few months ago. We were, we were certain that it would do like multiple users or, you know, multiple voice recognition, uh, multiple timers. And instead, everything is just um, single user, single voice, single timer and nothing more than that. And we don't even know based on these reviews, because at least to my knowledge, nobody has put the SiriKit stuff through their paces, uh, you know, with the, with the third-party apps running on the iPhone. We don't even know how well it works. Like, if I have things or Todoist on my iPhone and I want to uh, call up to the HomePod to create tasks, in theory, that should be possible because the Apple developer website says it is. But these reviews don't go into detail. So uh, we don't know if it works, how well it works, how fast it is or is not. And um, I don't want to say that we are, I mean, I guess we are disappointed by the fact that Siri is so much behind. But I think, especially over the past month, um, we I was prepared for this possibility that there was no secret trick coming, uh, that it was all there is on the Apple website. Uh, no AirPlay, no fancy multiple user stuff, just a speaker that does Apple Music. Sounds great, but Siri is... Uh, even more limited than on the iPhone. Yeah, I saw in Joanna Stern's video review, um, she attempted to call an Uber, and it's just like, I can't do that. Yeah. Right, so like it's there is SiriKit stuff there, but as we've known, right, it's not all there. And, you know, there's a funny thing about like, I know what you're saying about like, nobody really tested it. I think that is indicative of SiriKit, that just no one really bothered yes it, it says it says something uh, the fact that we haven't seen a, like all these reviews i haven't seen a single like even even a box on the side saying by the way we tested with the uh, you know apple say if you go on developer.apple.com slash syndicate i think you will see a mention that the list and notes um domains are supported on the home pod so you can add stuff to your note-taking application or tax manager using the HomePod as a bridge between the app running on the iPhone and your voice. So is it just those two? I think it's just, I'm pretty sure... I mean, if they- that's the case, that's why no one's showing you, because it's pointless, basically. <laughs> it's so little, it's not even worth really getting into. Well, I right? mean, like- saving, reminding, you know, using alternatives to reminders is pretty useful, I think. But I, I, I agree that, you know, the, the whole syntax involved with sending commands to third-party apps, and even the fact that sometimes Siri, as, as we talked about before, cannot understand some app names like Todoist um, is a problem. <laughs> so why even bother? I guess you're right, yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's like... It's not. That's not really even a very good. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Like in your comparison of between this and the Amazon Echo, when you're talking about the fact that the Echo has loads more skills, you go, well, you know, they have loads of skills. You know, you can add your shopping company, you can play games of it, you can add all of your HomeKit devices just by adding a skill. Oh, but also Apple lets you add reminders. Uh, it's it's uh, so the domains are messaging lists and notes. So in theory, you could say oh, I know, right? In theory, you could say uh, send a WhatsApp to somebody 
or uh, add a reminder to a task manager or save a note. Uh, three examples of these are on iOS. On iOS 11 would be, uh, I guess, WhatsApp, um, <laughs> lists uh, things, or uh, Todoist, or OmniFocus. Notes, I don't know, Devon think, I guess. Uh, I'm not surprised that, you know, uh, the Wall Street Journal didn't test Devon think um, <laughs> for, <laughs> for the whole part. The thing is, you're the only person to bother testing this, because you're literally the only person that cares. I'll, I'll <laughs> so. give them a pass on the failed Devon think test. Um, <laughs> so I, I will make sure to try it when I get Guys, it. Guys, yeah. can I just take a very quick pause from the HomePod conversation? Because I have literally some breaking news for you. Wow. Mm. So I am hearing from our previous guest, Mr. Jeremy Burge, that Sam Eckert, developer of BitTracker, has had his app retroactively approved. So that is happening <laughs> right now as the show is going on. So we don't know what it means yet, but... It looks like something's happening. The emojis of the emo- version with the emojis in has gone through app review now. They have Apple's proactively approved it retroactively, right? They have gone out and said, sent another thing to him and said, "Go for it." So, who knows what's going on? It's I think only more proof of our conversation in that these things they have to be. And I don't know how Apple is still having this problem that they are not setting these rules clearly for anyone or talking about them up front before they try and enforce them and every single time there is a rule change we end up having this conversation it's wild to me that this is still going on so that is our breaking news so we can now return to our regularly scheduled programming so yeah we were talking about devon think <laughs> mm-hmm. please let's go back to talking about devon think good <laughs> no i mean uh you're right the fact that most people didn't bother in fact nobody uh, tried SiriKit for third-party apps uh, is indicative of the fact that SiriKit is um, complicated. I, I guess it's a good word to describe it. It's just too many too many rules involved with spelling app names, and sometimes it doesn't hear you. Um, and you gotta you gotta use the the app name within your sentence. It's not natural. And at this point, uh, I've said it before. I think it's also in my review of iOS 11. There should just be a screen in settings where you say uh, here's the different domains for which on iOS and therefore on your Apple Watch or on the HomePod you can pick a different default app. Uh, I I don't think Apple should allow developers to say um, Google Chrome is now your default browser on the iPhone. But I think default they apps totally could be should, done. They totally should, by the way. They totally they 100% totally sh- should That's allow another topic. Me. <laughs> what I'm saying is the default apps, the way we, we think about them is probably wrong. I want to see default apps for SiriKit. So when I'm talking to Siri, my default app for messaging is WhatsApp. And my default app for reminders is Things. So default apps for how you talk to the assistant. Not default apps in the sense of I'm using Google Chrome and I'm using Gmail as my default apps. Not in that sense, but default apps for Siri. That would be so so much better. Well, while we're talking about default apps, let's talk about Spotify, shall we? Because this is something yeah. that every single review touches on for good reason. You can use only Apple Music or some kind of Apple-ordained music service because you can use iTunes Match and purchase music with the HomePod 2. Everybody, all of the reviewers mention this because it is a frustration. No support for Spotify. When, And and I really like the way that um, Neil Patel put it, right? Like he went 
they I think it was I think it was Neil that did this going through all of the competitors saying like this one will allow it like this is a Google product Google have their own music and they allow Spotify you know Amazon mm-hmm. have their own music service they allow Spotify right like everybody else is seeming to just allow this stuff allow Spotify to work because Spotify is the world's biggest music streaming service but Apple decided not to and and I do wonder and I do believe that less people will buy this product I mean I don't know how many more but less people will probably buy this product because of it right um because it's if you use Spotify, if that's what you've chosen to use, like I believe, Federico, are you which one are you on now? Both. Um, both. Uh, okay. I jump between them. I'm using Apple Music more over the past um, month, three weeks. Mm-hmm. But really, I'm paying for both of them. And like, and you can AirPlay, so you can open your phone and connect the AirPlay, and and you can do it that way. And you can still use voice controls for play, pause, and skip, which is good once you've connected. But really. We should be able to use SiriKit for this, right? Because I, I want to be able to use Overcast. Because the thing is, I I haven't seen anybody talk about this, which makes me believe that you can't do it, that there is not going to be a voice way to connect via AirPlay. That doesn't seem like that's the case. Like, I've, I've seen people talking about, oh, it's just a couple of taps to, yeah. to use AirPlay. Like, what I would want to do is be like, oh, I telephone... Uh, connect to my phone or something like that and then resume. But it looks like I'm going to have to get my phone every time I want to do that. Where like with my Echo, I can just say, hey, Tube, connect to my phone. It connects and then I can say resume and it will just play. You know, I I don't need to have my phone to do that. Yeah, and and the point of a product like this is to use your voice for as much as possible. Right. It's, it's so many of these things end up in the kitchen and your hands are full or they're in the sink with a bunch of dirty dishes and you want to play a song that comes to mind. And yes, you can use Spotify and AirPlay, but it is it is clunkier. And I do. I agree with you. I wish Apple would open Siri kit to um, to audio apps. And I just this is, you know, this is part of the deal with Apple, right? They have a music streaming service and they have a speaker, so they're not going to let anybody else play in that space. And it doesn't matter to them, the rest of the apps like Overcast get caught up in that, right? It's like, well, we're just not going to allow this entire category because we operate in that. And it's it's different. I had an email from a download listener asking if, how this was different than them allowing uh, like things and to doest access to Siri kit because well Apple has a reminders app they have a notes app but they allow these third party apps to to work uh, with Siri kit the difference is obvious I think is that Apple music is a paid subscription and they want to push you to that so their services revenue continues to go up and that's not a bad thing they're a company they need to make money I'm not judging I'm just saying that's how it works and mm-hmm. uh, if a customer uses notes or evernote or reminders or things, it's no real skin off Apple's back because notes and reminders aren't paid services. They don't use a lot of iCloud storage, so it's not like they're trying to get you to use it so you upgrade your iCloud space. It's a very different type of thing. And I just I think if you're a Spotify user, the HomePod's not the right product for you because again, voice is so important. And if you really want one and you're a Spotify user, I wouldn't hold your breath for Apple to open it up. I just I don't see it happening anytime soon. Do you not? I think that they are so focused on Apple Music becoming uh, a really 
big product for them. And there's a report that they, that they may soon pass Spotify and market share in the U.S. Worldwide, Spotify kills them, but in the U.S., that may change. Um, and I think they want that to be true. And, you know, it is it is interesting that all these reports say that Apple worked has started work on this uh, sometime in like 2010 or 2011, like seven, six or seven years ago. And that was before Apple Music was a thing. But I'm sure that once Apple Music came into existence, that these two products got married internally at Apple real quick. What's the name for for this problem? The the is it the Apple tax in the sense of you're both the company that wants to sell hardware to people, and therefore people expect you know uh, flexible functionality from a speaker. But also you're the company that controls the platform w- with the streaming service, and so you're kind of working against yourself and having to pick: Do I prioritize customers who want you know Spotify on their speakers, or do I uh, do we prioritize ourselves with Apple Music? Therefore locking down the entire platform and the speaker um, to just Apple Music and and the built-in podcasts. It's an interesting problem uh like w- in sort of a pick your poison situation um do you want to go against your customers or do you want to go against your services revenue um i don't know what the what the solution is uh, but it's a it's an interesting problem to discuss because obviously from a customer perspective and maybe if if the you know, if Apple prioritizes the the customer is always right approach, therefore the customer must have options. But it's also a corporation that wants to make money from services. They really care about those services and they really care about the Apple Music growth. Um, so I don't know, but it's um, what what do you what do you guys think they should do? I think that they should be having like they should create SiriKit. Like I understand. The, the way to get people to sign up for your music streaming service is not by giving them only one choice. Like, actually make the service something people want to sign up for. Like, you don't... That isn't, you're doing it the wrong way around. Like, and if that is why there is no SiriKit audio, pro, like, intent... I mean, we don't know the reason. But if it is an a, a anti-competitive thing, then they've made the wrong decision because that's not the way to do it the way to do it is to make a a service that's so compelling people want it not to lock down all of your devices so people can't sign up for it it's it's the wrong way to do it like Mm. maybe it will get you more subscribers that way but i don't think it's the best thing for customer satisfaction because uh, if we follow i agree with you completely um if we follow the same thinking here um we could argue that you know we can probably um um What's the what's uh, the analyst name that was uh you know always talking about the Apple television? Um, Gene uh, Munster. You know we could we could mm-hmm, summon mm-hmm. the ghost of Gene Munster and argue that. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> still right. But I mean, met- metaphorically speaking, oh, okay. on on a podcast, um, we could argue that someday. Apple will make a video service and the only way to watch Apple shows is to buy an Apple television. Because this is what's happening with the HomePod. If you want to listen on a good speaker, you buy the HomePod and, you know, it's Apple Music. Um, I, I really don't... I really think that to to make great services is, to, is two things. One is you actually make a great service that is compelling and that, you know, has features that people want to give you money for. And the second is your service is everywhere. So, um, you know, Apple Music is on Android and there's this weird 
distinction between Apple Music is on Android, but if you want the HomePod, it's only for iPhones. Yeah. Um, so I, I really don't cannot reconcile the thinking here that the service can be for Android Android users, but the speaker is only for Apple Music, and I, I, it's such a weird distinction. Yeah, that is a good point, right? Like, why why have it on Android? Like, and then if you're focusing, like, oh, this is an Apple Music speaker, well, but it's not though, because not all of the Apple your Apple Music subscribers can use it because you need an iPhone to set it up. Yeah. It makes it very, it's just like very confusing. So we're spending a lot of time talking about the negatives, right? Which were obvious. And I'm sure we'll have things to say differently when we actually get them in our hands. But it does seem like the audio engineering paid off because everyone is talking about the fact that this thing sounds incredible. And I'm excited to see what that is like. I don't know if I am a person who can tell the difference between the quality of music speakers. Because people talk about like, oh, that's flat and that's tinny and the mids are something and the bass is bumping. But I don't, I don't feel like I can hear any of that. I wouldn't be able to tell you what was tinny and what was mids and what the highs and the lows and the, and the mm-hmm. basses are all about. Right? Like, I, I feel like I don't have a good sense for what that means well, when I'm listening to music. Well, I think a lot of people pretend they know. So you know, <laughs> fake it until you make it is always the oh, best yeah. approach. Well, it's like I say when the bass is bumping, you know? That's my new phrase, by <laughs> exactly. the way. Exactly. <laughs> that is what the kids say, I think. Yeah, that's my new catchphrase. I think you will be able to tell the difference between an Echo and the HomePod. Even if you don't know the right terminology, you're, you, you, if it's a good, when a speaker is a good speaker and it's a great speaker, you can tell, even if you don't know what's the right word to describe this sound that I'm hearing in a different way, but you can tell, oh yeah, this is a better speaker. And the, honestly, in most cases, that's enough. Like, if you jump from a Google Home, which sounds terrible, I have one. Um, I don't know why I bought one. We were together when I did. Um, you were just excited to be on the Google Store. I was really excited. It's like I bought a mug, but I do love my mug, though. Um, yeah, your, yours was a better purchase. Um, you can tell that it sounds better than a Google Home. And now, I don't know if you can tell the difference between a Sonos One and a HomePod. And honestly, I would also struggle there i i think i'm at least i was used to listening to you know back we were when we were in a band that steven likes to listen to very so often um we we had this guy he was our audio engineer and he made us effectively made us do blind tests for speakers and stuff to sort of be able to discern different sounds and different speakers and what it means for the way that you produce music um so i um i have a basic understanding of what's going on here but also if I were to do a blind test today between a Sonos One, which according to the reviews, it sounds very similar to the HomePod and an Apple HomePod, I don't know if I would be able to tell the difference right away. And I think that's fine because ultimately, yes, it sounds great, but you're also buying the speaker for the ecosystem and you're buying it because it runs Apple Music and it lets you do some Siri in some fashion. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by it. I just I I really can't work out what I would use it for. I'm going to see. I mean, it looks nice. It sounds good. Uh, I'm going to give it a real try, but 
And and I hope it can. I, do you know what? I hope that I can listen to it and be like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Why do I play music on anything else? Because I am an Apple Music subscriber. It's what I use. Um, I only have a Spotify account because of my Amazon Echo. Hmm. I I I have seen you ask the Echo to play songs in your apartment. So yeah, but you, that's just because we, we we mostly play music when we have guests. Oh, okay. So that that was very kind of you. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. very kind. Just just for you, give you. Some let music. let me ask you: How do you use the Echo? Like, what are the skills or the commands that you use like on a regular basis? I've been thinking about this in preparation for trying out the HomePod. Uh, I ask it for. I've, I've written this down. Let me get it so I, I can see because I've I okay. have actually written it down. Um, I use it for turning on the lights um, and, you know, that kind of stuff. Weather, measurement questions, so like how many ounces in a something. Uh, timers, right, so when I'm cooking. Um, and every now and then the occasional pop culture question. But then I also use a couple of skills, and the most important one is the shopping service that we use, which is called Ocado. We can add things to the shopping, to our trolley, which is excellent. So like when I'm cooking and I realize we've run out of olive oil, I can say, hey, Echo, tell Ocado to add olive oil to my shopping list. And then it adds it, it to our it, next actual order. Is it extra virgin olive oil or just regular one? But only extra virgin, of course. But okay. the system is very good. That If I just say olive oil... It looks through my previous purchases and adds ah, the one that amazing. we bought the most or most recently. It's very, very clever. Oh, nice. And I wouldn't want to give something like that up because it's like... So so many people use these products when they're cooking for helping them cook, right? So like mm -hmm. measurements and timers. And another big part of that for me is when I am cooking and I realize like I'm in the recipe, right? Like I'm doing the thing. I don't have time at that point because I've already got stuff on the go to grab my phone out and add the thing to my shopping list, right? In the Ocado app. But I can just be walking around the kitchen and speaking at it. And obviously this product is not built for that because they have made no considerations, none, not one to make it for this, right? Because the easy one was just adding multiple timers, but it didn't even bother to do that. Like, not even name timers. They just didn't do it. So Apple has made a big stand. And, like, every time they ever show this product, it's always in a living room. That's where it is. It's a living room product. Um, so this is obviously not what they're going for. But that's why, like, it doesn't matter how much I love the HomePod. It will not replace Echo for me. Because where I'm using it most, the HomePod does not fit right now. It can. It's all software. All this stuff is software, and they can make this product better. But they haven't done a lot of this stuff right now. Yeah. My, my uses of the Echo are very similar to yours. And honestly, I think, except for the shopping cart deal, um, but I think the thing that's going to break it for us, if they don't, they don't update it, is the multiple timer thing. Like, I've just been paying attention over the last couple of weeks of how we use ours. And almost every night uh, when we're cooking, there's more than one timer going. And we name them, so you, you know what's done when. And it just it seems like such an obvious thing to have supported. Uh, but even the iPhone can't do it. Even the iPhone's stuck with one timer. So uh, I hope they can they can add that. Because I think that is important to a lot of people. Like that's That's been a popular thing I've seen on Twitter and heard another podcast. I don't think it's just us. 
that they want that. One other thing that I'm concerned about with the HomePod is the same problem that the uh, Google Home has, how verbose it is. And I'm concerned that Siri is going to want to make jokes every time I turn the lights on and off. Mm-hmm. Or at least just be like, okay, turning your living room light on. Right? Like, I'm interested to see what that ends up looking like because I one of my favorite things about uh, the Echo compared to the Google Home, I've mentioned this before, is about the fact that when I ask it to do something, it keeps it short and sweet, which is what I yeah. want. I don't need it to try and have a conversation with me when I'm turning the lights off at night. So I'm keen to see how this thing's going to turn out. But so far, I think the reviews have played exactly the way you could have predicted them to. Like, great hardware, terrible software and service, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're gonna, I mean, I don't think that we're going to have much more to say outside of that. Obviously, Federico will be giving us comprehensive reviews of SiriKit, no actions of course. next of week. Course. Um, but that's, and I guess that's what people tune in for, right? Because the minutiae that we provide. I think I will be one of the first people in Italy with the HomePod. I, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've gone to great lengths to make sure that I will have a HomePod uh, soon enough. Uh, that means basically giving UPS a lot of money. You do, uh, oh, oh, okay, you're going to do an overnight situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've done that. I, Marco overnighted uh, an Apple Pencil to me when you couldn't get them <laughs> anywhere in the planet, but he managed to get one. And then uh, I wrote a review of I it. I remember the Apple Pencil. Yeah. I st- I was using mine today. I was filling out a document and was using my Apple Pencil. So that's the home part. That's what we know so far. Uh, look out for more next week. Can I can I just say something before we move on to the next topic? Of course. This um, is something strange that happened uh, thanks to the chat room on the Relay website. So mm-hmm. we were we mentioned our my old band um, and somebody the seniors, said everyone's favorite band, the Seniors. There'll be links in the show notes. And here's here's a clip you can listen to right now. Anyway, Pasta Boy in the chat room said it's also on Apple Music. And I was like, wait, what? It's it's not supposed to be on Apple Music. I never signed anything to be on Apple Music, and I thought it was maybe a mistake. So I searched for seniors on Apple Music, and sure enough, there's an entry for seniors on Apple Music. It it only has two songs, with apparently an an EP that we this cover. I don't remember. I remember taking this photo. Oh my uh, I gosh. don't remember the cover. It's got two songs. From 2008, under Enjoy Record as the label. And also, there's another song that we didn't actually make. Um, So, somebody must be representing us, I guess. I have no idea. What is going on here? (laughs) Can you see it? Can you see it too? I haven't. I'm still trying to find it, but I can't believe that that exists. Your music royalties any day now <laughs> i it, it's from 2008 under pop as the genre and uh, there's two I, I have no idea maybe it, it's what's the name of the song that is yours uh try who's there for example <laughs> these are terrible titles is that um, wait so this album artwork i'm looking at is that you that is me in the middle oh, oh wow oh, see oh, i don't recognize you without uh, without facial hair. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as I previewed it, I needed like half a second to hear the Federico Vitici Oasis style, and I knew exactly that it was the band that I love so much. But I don't remember the other song, Evening Shadows Falling. That is something that I never sang. Or... Have you listened to it? Is it you? I don't know. <laughs> Should I try? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. I see too. Who's there and what I tried to say to you last night? Yeah, and Evening Shadows Falling, uh, which. What is this? I have that's no not idea. available on my EP here. Maybe that's just an Italy only song. Oh, it doesn't play for me. I click on it and it and it does nothing. I but think that's there. miscategorized, but I see that. But I don't think that's you. Well, look at you, Federico Vitici on Apple Music. This is uh, this is strange. Uh, that, but the, who, I must remember the very first song that I asked for my HomePod to play for me is "Who's There" by the Seniors, <laughs> so I can really get some of that bumping bass playing through. <laughs> What is Enjoy Record? I, I don't know. You gotta hunt them down. They're making money on you, man. They're selling. That. I want. I want all my two. Uh, all my two euros from these royalties. They're mine. Especially after this episode, everyone's gonna go listen to it. It's in the show exactly. notes. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Wow. I don't know how we're gonna come back from that. I think we have to take a break so everybody can calm down a little bit. And the best way to calm down is to take a little nap and wear better than on a Casper mattress. Casper are the company focused on sleep. They're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third... Of, it's on Spotify, too. It's in the chair. It's in Spotify, too. I can't believe it. Um, but there's another song in there's the another, middle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Federica's music is everywhere. Anyway, you spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spent a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. And that's why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. Hey, Casper mattresses, they've got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. Their mattresses are designed and developed in the US and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. And you can be sure of your purchase because Casper has their 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial. They'll deliver direct to your door. You get 100 nights to try it out in your bed with your sheets to make sure that it's right for you and if you don't love it they have a hassle-free return policy Stephen hackett i know you have a casper mattress would you say that it has all of the right support in all of the right places i would say that yes so you feel perf- you feel greatly supported every night when you tuck into bed i, I feel supported mattress. physically emotionally it's really it's really comfortable it's great big fan i'm pleased to hear that that's great See, um, and uh, tell me about the box that Casper mattresses come in. It's, you know, you think about a mattress, you think about a mattress sized box. You don't think about a dorm fridge sized box, but that's the size of this box. You and someone else can carry it into a bedroom. You cut it open. It sucks all the air out of the room into the mattress and it, it just, it unfolds. It comes to life before your eyes, but you didn't have to carry a big, heavy mattress. I, I once moved. I have a moving story. I'll make it quick. I once moved out of an apartment that was on the second story of this building, and it was before I had a Casper mattress, and I almost crushed my brother trying to move a queen-size mattress down a staircase. You don't have to deal with that with Casper because it comes in this tiny little box that you put in the bedroom, you cut it open, and you're all set. Look at that. 
Lovely story, Stephen. Thank you. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. You can get $50 towards select mattress purchases by going to casper.com slash connected and using connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That is casper.com slash connected and the offer code connected. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, I saw an article from uh, the wonderful Matt Birchler at birchtree.me about watchOS 5. So we're going into the fifth version of watchOS. It's crazy. Has it been five years? Is that what that means? No, it doesn't mean that. (laughs) Yeah, the first one went by real quick. (laughs) Remember they replaced it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I thought I just lost a significant portion of my life right there. Well, I mean, you're 30 now, so one year's not that significant. Yeah, that's true. I thought I was 41. I just lopped 11 years off. <laughs> well, nice. then I guess we are on watch OS 16. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it does okay. seem crazy that, that they're already on 5. And when when I saw this, my thought was, it, if you think between iOS, you know, iPhone OS 1 and iOS 5, how many things were added, how many things were different, the evolution that it took place over that time. And I just don't see that on watchOS. Like, yes, the under, underlying technology is better. Yes, they got rid of glances and now they're cards or something and they've rearranged some stuff and it's a lot faster. But watchOS still f- feels fundamentally the same as it always has to me. And I just, I just, I saw that number and I sort of had lost track and it, it surprised me. I think it's that the iterations that they've made have kind of just like moved it along. They haven't, obviously, and I don't think it's coming and I don't think we're even close to it. It hasn't had like its iOS 70 moment where they like Mm -hmm. rebuilt a bunch of it visually or in any significant way. So like it feels like everything's just moved along real smooth throughout watchOS's life. But uh, Matt broke down a bunch of feature improvements that he'd like to see for watchOS. And it's a great, post full of lovely concept imagery uh, steven's very happy because remember the milk sneaks in there somehow it's true. Um, and even though uh matt recommends or uses remember the milk i still trust what he has to say um <laughs> one of the big things is the siri watch face and some improvements there i still use the siri watch face every day and i like it very much but i agree completely with matt that the ability for third-party applications to be able to put data here would be awesome like for me to be able to see weather stuff from carrot weather calendar from fantastic out and to do's from todoist would be incredible like it would give me the exact thing that i would want from my Apple Watch. Because I really, really honestly do like the Siri watch face, but it does feel a little bit restricted at times as to to what data I'm actually seeing. Yeah, totally agree. There should be an API for developers to plug into it and say, these are my app's items. They have um, due date or time, and there you go. And the system figures out what to do. Uh, you know, they can take into account dates, times, location. If maybe, you know, Apple sees if you tend to use an app in your car or at the office or in your home. And so there should be a way for developers to say, here's my data. And for Apple to say, we're going to take this. And Siri, you know, as an intelligence, is going to sift through this data and create a watch face for you. It makes total sense. Stephen, you have put in our document something that I've been thinking about a lot recently about complications and the Mm -hmm. siri watch face it would be great to see like you said third party stuff um but i I can also see so the idea of complication was 
you put it on there and it's a little piece of data that updates throughout the day. So like for instance, on, uh, on my watch, if I use the, uh, the modular face, one of the ones that I show is to doist. So I could see how many to do items I have left. It's a little number. And sometimes it remembers to sync with my iPhone and it updates as I check things off. Uh, but it's very basic, right? If I want to actually see any information, I have to tap into it and then wait for it to load. I could see a world where the Siri watch face expands on this idea. So like you said, I don't just see that I have six items left, but I see, you know, the next item based on importance or the next thing due by time, you know, it being intelligent and surfacing things uh, as they become, as they become relevant to me and complications can kind of do that, but complications require me to do it. So if I want to keep up with a, with a basketball score, I can put, you know, some sort of sports score keeping complication on my watch, but I got to remember to do that. I got to remember, Oh, right. There's a game. I want to keep up with it. I'm not gonna be able to watch it. I just want my watch to remind me like Apple talks about Siri being like the proactive assistant and being really intelligent. It's like, well then, then do that on the watch. You have all this information on my phone it, that Siri watch face could do so much more. It could it could take the idea of complications and like expand it into the next level, and that would be, um, that would be really really great. And then just some general watch face improvements. Always mm-hmm. on, yes, definitely. Like the battery life can one hundred percent support this now. Like please make it happen. And then third party developed faces. Federico, do you think that this is going to happen at some point? I don't know. Um... I would love to see it, especially for maybe as a uh, as a way for apps to bundle a watch face. Like like I imagine that if you are like a really productivity oriented type of person, you could say Todoist now comes with a watch face, and you can customize it. You can put in you know multiple complications by other uh, from other apps. But I imagine that maybe apps should could offer an extension, you know, a watch face extension that lets you replace your, the Apple watch face with a, with a third-party one. And there could be different types, like a Todoist um, watch face could have a bunch of shortcuts to your lists, to your to-dos, or there could be like, I don't know, fitness watch faces, I imagine, would be amazing uh, because they make a lot of sense. Uh, I don't know if there should be a watch face marketplace of sorts, uh, because in, in theory... All the, all of these extensions that we've seen Apple do over the years, uh, all kinds of extensions from widgets to complications to you know uh, extensions on the iPhone, they've always been bundled with apps, mm-hmm. and even with custom keyboards on the iPhone, uh, you know it's it's strange when you need to download something just to get the extension. I I don't think Apple is really good at sort of pushing people to, you know, because the app store is their only marketplace. And so people are used to the idea, I go to the app store, I download an app. But then when I go to the app store, and we've seen this with iMessage apps, iMessage only apps, the confusion that generates from, I go to the app store, I download something, but it's not on my home screen. And so I imagine it would maybe be easier to say the watch faces are tied to the apps that you have, but also that creates another problem that what if Todoist, you know, and I'm using them as an example, example, they have an idea for uh, a watch face, but it's got nothing to do with Todoist as a product. So uh, there's pros and cons to this approach. Uh, It would be interesting to see, though, the the Apple Watch App Store 
maybe there's another idea, sort of pivot to be to be in something else, like a place where you go to download not apps that you go that you get from the iPhone app store anyway, but you go to the watch app store to get complications, to get watch faces, and to get all these additions to your Apple Watch. That could be maybe like breathe new life into the watchOS app store, which is not a wasteland, but you know, I, I don't know anybody who goes like uh, less I, about apps and more about just general customization of the watch yes yes is, is, I a, think... is a, a better way to think about the apple watch today yes. than like these specific yes. applications it doesn't make sense and hasn't hasn't made sense it would be better, you know, because Apple, they have, for example, on the Watch app, they have that watch face gallery. And I think that's pretty good looking and it makes sense as a pro- as a feature. I would love to see an entire app store that's just like that. Not apps. I'm going to the app store for apps anyway. Uh, I want to go to the Watch app store to get customization features, options. Yep. And they, they it's done contextually within the watch app that, you know, when you tap something, you go back into the settings and you see it. Uh, it would make so much sense, I think, to to have that kind of reboot for the watch app store. Matt also talks about a frustration he has with uh, workouts where, like, if you forget to say you're on a workout, well, you've lost the ability to do it. So Apple should try and add some kind of automatic workout detection. And while something like this is never going to be perfect, it would be a great backup for the times where you forget to start a workout and then you don't get your green ring close for the day. And I like Matt's proposal that the watch will notify you, give you a little tap if it thinks you're working out, to which you can confirm or deny. I like mm-hmm. that. Uh, rest days should totally be a thing. Um, if you're sick, you'll lose your streak, right? Like It's as simple as that. And I like the way that... Um, underscore david smith he does a great job of this in like activity plus plus like if you for some reason don't do your exercise goal one day it doesn't break your streak you just got a rest day and that's healthy right like that's fine it's fine to do that um that would be a nice thing to see apple implement and of course the big one sleep tracking yeah and i know yeah. you would love this federico i'm assuming yes. native sleep tracking because you do this don't you do you still do this i I do this every day, every night, yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah, I use uh, auto sleep on my watch and on the iPhone, and I have the data going into gyroscope, going into streaks to make sure that I get all my, you know, my six or seven hours. Uh, I would love for Apple to add. Um, I don't know if maybe a fourth ring. Because sleep is more of a passive thing, it's whereas the activity is more like uh, have an active lifestyle. But I think the Apple yeah. Watch should have uh, sleep tracking built in that goes into also, HealthKit. Also, I, I don't think that it would be a good idea for them to like add it as a ring because it's telling people to do it, and yeah. most people will still charge their phone or, or, or charge their watch or don't want to sleep with the watch on. Right? Like yeah. I think that might be too much. But like you know, in the way that Breathe exists. You know, like it's it's exactly. another application which you can do a thing in if you want to and you can set it up to remind you, but it doesn't actually make an effect to your activity scores and stuff. Mm-hmm. That might be yeah. cool. And the last one is uh, podcast support. Like at the very least, there should be an Apple shipped podcast, an Apple podcast app for the Apple Watch. Um, but what I think we would like to see way more, and I, I know many people that would love this too, is Apple to improve the APIs to allow third parties to create valid independent podcast applications that don't need to be setting up as workouts or taking in little hacks so i can take just my airpods and my apple watch out into the world and listen to a podcast that would be Mm -hmm. great wouldn't it i hope they do that that would be wonderful 
It'd be great. So that's some some thoughts on watchOS 5. I think we all agree with this. I recommend people go and take a look at this article just to see the lovely little uh, mock-ups that, that Matt has worked on. That I like the way that he has displayed some of this, some of his ideas kind of visually. Um, before we finish today, I have more emoji-breaking news for you. Mm-hmm. It's all happening. It turns out that Jeremy was very kind of his time because basically immediately after leaving us... Uh, there's a post on Emojipedia about the 2018 yeah. emoji list, the 157 look- new emoji added to the standard. I'm looking at the video now. It's really well done, as always, by as always. Jeremy and team. Yeah. So this is emoji 11. Uh, so 11.0. And some of the highlights, uh, it includes superheroes and supervillains, uh, more hair color types. So uh, red hair, curly hair, bald people, and white hair are in there. There's a very creepy looking leg um, that is in the Emojipedia representation. Uh, there is the a bone. I can't imagine that being used out of context. Uh, there's a lab coat. Skateboard is in here. Some some great looking emoji. Uh, so, or some great representations of emoji that are going to be coming. Oh, look at that. Cold face and hot face. Party face. I like the party face. Party face is uh, that'll great. That would be, be good for World Emoji Day because that's the World Emoji Day uh, icon which is a, a holiday that Jeremy created, which has become a real thing that people pay attention to, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, Jeremy Burge is one of the most interesting people that I know, without a shadow of a doubt. He has a very interesting life. Like, I know many people that have jobs, like all of us, which is like, how is that a job? Um, but I think that about uh, Jeremy. How is emoji his job? Turns out it is. By the mm-hmm. way, a uh, little bit of follow-out. Um, me and Stephen do a podcast called Ungeniused, and Jeremy filled in for me on an episode a couple of weeks ago where Stephen asked him about emoji and how it was created uh, and kind of where it came from and how it's become the thing it is today. So that, you can go listen to that too. It's like Ungenius episode 43, uh, emoji. So I think that wraps it up for today. Wow, what an action-packed uh, episode. But I'm, I'm unable to finish the episode because we have to throw it back over to the new host of the show, Stephen Hackett, to round out the show today. So that's the end of the podcast. It's basically over now. We're going to do the same stuff we kind of always do. We're going to tell you where to find the show notes, relay.fm slash connected slash 179. There's a bunch of tiny heads artwork in there you should click and just uh, be be amazed by that, by that trend. You can get in touch with us there. You can send us uh, an email or you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Mike is I-M-Y. K-E, Federico is V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And uh, again, there's links to all of his music in the show notes. You can find (laughs) me on Twitter as I-S-M-H. You can can find Federico on Apple Music. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Spotify. So bad. You're bad. Just just ask your uh, smart speaker of choice. To play this, you're a the, bad, bad person. What really. I love about this is this was a thing you did in your past. Yes, that you can't get rid of. You have no. no way of removing this, and now it's just there for us all to listen to. Yeah. No, you could even ask a smart speaker about it. <laughs> <laughs> Who owns the copyright to this music? I have no idea. I don't because know. Because 
you know, like we could totally just change our theme song to this show. No, we cannot. To be a senior's track. No. To be a senior's <laughs> original track. We don't need that <laughs> classical music. Anymore. Maybe the, outro the, music at least. The you know? seniors do not got... exist anymore. We yeah, we are... don't have outro music. We could 100% just add we this in as outro music. Outro, mu- outro music. We don't need it. We... We'll just see what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all this stuff in logic. I'm going to shake my computer up real hard and we'll see what comes out the other end. <laughs> you just see. You never know. You never <laughs> That's how podcasts are made. Uh, thank you to our three sponsors uh, this week: Linode, Squarespace, and Casper for making the show possible. And until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios.